begin by praying wherever you are just say a word of prayer to the Lord asking him to teach you tonight asking him to open your eyes tonight asking him to show himself to you Say word of prayer to the Lord. Say, Father, I'm here before your presence. Teach me your word. Show me your word. Lighten my eyes in your word. Reveal your heart to me by your word. I am here before you. I am open before you. Show me your word, Heavenly Father. Just pray sincerely from your heart. We are here to learn, not just to waste time or to burn data. Uh, We are here to learn, to hear, and to be better by the knowledge we receive. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, I'd like you to understand that the more you know in the realm of the spirit, the, re- the more respect you have. So, light, the more light you get in the realm of the spirit, the more influential you are. So, in the realm of the spirit, you are scanned as either light or darkness. And then lights are bigger than light. Light shine brighter than light. Lights are more intense than the others. And that is why receiving light from god through knowledge is very important so and light comes through knowledge the bible says that the knowledge of the glory of god is found in the face of jesus christ shining as light to us you see for god who commanded light to shine out of darkness as first shining our heart to give us the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ so the more light you have the more the more important you are in the realm of the spirit the more effective you are because light is understanding light makes your journey easier light commands authority so for example darkness cannot hang around light so when you the more light you have the more you can walk in victory in the realm of the spirit there are some level of light you can even walk in that even before you cast out the devil the devil has already left because based on your knowledge you have disarmed him. So you can imagine the, the, the Bible refers to the enemy as, as, the, as the king of darkness. He operates in darkness, the lord of darkness. So you can imagine that you don't need to stress yourself. What you need is light. The moment you turn on light, the darkness flees. And the Bible says the entrance of his words give light and understanding. So the more light you have by the spirit of God, the more you can dispel darkness so so now we are going to be receiving light from the spirit of god and i believe is going to change our life to a very great extent all right so we are talking about the fatherhood of god and i want to encourage you wherever you are please have a note it's very important you can go back to this thing because the reason why these teachings are coming forth 
is for Christians to understand what Christianity is all about. You know, nowadays, to a very great extent, what God is doing through His church and many attempts through our local church is to give us words that solve our problem in the now. So, for example, somebody is having a heartache, somebody is having a headache, you have a, you have a need, you need to get a job. So, when you go to church, God is sending words of encouragement. But that is not enough because, for example, if we have been Christians for a while, in the old time, there's something you call Sunday school. There's something you call Bible study. And during these times, God uses those mediums to teach us His word. It takes us through the Bible. A lot of Christians nowadays, we can't boast of the fact that we've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Some of, the, some of us have not even finished the book of Genesis, talk less of the book of Exodus, or even read the book of Leviticus. So, during this kind of time, God uses this avenue to show us more about Himself and give us increased light and wisdom for us to walk in His kingdom. So, we are talking about the fatherhood of God. We've always said that, oh, God is my Father. Oh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what does this mean? And today we are going to shed light on this. And then we are going to know the implication of that to us. So, first and foremost, I'm going to go from ground zero. So, we said there is a Father in God. So, and when we hear the word God, it refers to three people agreeing in one. So, let's see that. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. That's our first scripture tonight. Matthew 28, 19. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 It said Just give me a minute Matthew 28 19 Alright now it says i read from verse 18 it says and jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and earth verse 19 go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name underline that word name is singular of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost so he mentioned three people but yet he referred to them as one saying name he didn't say the names of the father and of the son and of the spirit he didn't say names he said names so the three of them are one person and yet they are three in one that's what we call trinity Let's look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. So we are seeing, so we are establishing how we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, and when we say God, when we, anytime you say God, you are referring to three people. And this will also help to, to, to clear the confusion. You know, sometimes when you are saying, I worship you, Jesus, sometimes your mind will want to play a trick on you. That, ah, when I say I worship you, Jesus, what is, I need to worship God too. Ah, I need to worship the Holy Spirit too. No. The moment you say God, I worship you, my Father God. I worship you, God. I worship you, Jesus. You are referring to the three of them because the three of them agree. Now, we will see that. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Look at it. said, and God said. Look at the next verse. Next statement. Let us make man in our image. God is one person. But he said, let us. That means in that God, there is an us. And that us, we have found out 
in Matthew 28 19 that is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So when you say God, God is three persons in one, and yet is three distinct persons, and yet they are one. Let's look at first John chapter 5, verse 7. And that is why it is a mystery. First John chapter 5, verse 7. It says, For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So you see from the scripture. And this should give us an insider. A lot of the things we say, even though we don't have Bible verses for them, they are actually in the Bible. A lot of the things we just say, flip and oh God, the Father, God, is, we can trace them into the Bible. And what this does is that it makes our faith stronger. So because in this time and age where there is a lot of question about Christianity, People are saying, is God a good God? How can God be good? And people are dying in Syria. People are dying in Afghanistan. Women are dying. So, in this time, we need to now begin to go to the root of the Bible. It's beyond just the fact that God is blessing me and have butter and bread. No. Because then, projecting into the future, we will have children born into the... And what they are being taught in school is so different that by the time they come home and they ask you, so, how come? Who is God? What is God? They may not even say who is God, they may say what is God. So as parents, which is very important, we should be able to hand this down to our children and show them in a convincing way. And that is because we are convinced ourselves that there is God and this is how he is. So it says there, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now the Word there is also the Son. And we will see that in John chapter 1. So because it is a Bible study, we are taking our time to open Bible verses. So if it was a preaching, we might have glossed through, but because it's a teaching, we open through Bible verses. John chapter 1, which is a familiar scripture. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So both the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. So the Son is the Word, and the Son is God, and God is the Son. And God is the Spirit, and the Son is the Spirit. So they are united. That's why I call it Trinity. Three in unity. So... We have established this that there is a father in god there is a son or the word in god and there is a spirit in god all of them agree in one and when we say god we are referring to three people now that is settled the next thing we will now go to is that how can we now call him father is it because he has children has he not been father even before he had us and that is it god has been a father before he had us. So before we even say, God, you are my father. Before Jesus came to the world, God has been a father. And why is he a father? First, let us say that he has really been a father before he even came to the world. Let's look at Isaiah 63, verse 16. Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63. Verse 16. It says, Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel, that is Jacob, acknowledge us not. Thou, Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. Which means, even before our time began, even before Genesis when God said, let us create man in his own image. 
God has been a father. So his fatherhood is independent on humanity. We didn't make God father, you know, in, in the realm of human beings. We, a person becomes a father because he has a child. Not until you have a child biologically are you a father. Or then somebody associates with you as a child. So, or probably you adopt somebody, then we say you are a child. But with God, even before he gave birth to human beings in Christ Jesus, he has been a father. And why was he a father? Let's see another place and see where the Bible tells that God has been a father even before he gave birth to us in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Isaiah 9 verse 6. And this will also give us insight of how there is unity in God. So when I say God, I want you to remember that it is both Father, Son, and the Spirit. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Now this is prophesying about Jesus. But take note, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. So he's saying Jesus is also the Mighty God. Now, the next thing is what? the everlasting father so and this is scripture telling us the unity between god and god the son and that the two of them are one and the same and yet they are distinct and that is why it is a mystery it's a mystery how god can be three persons in one and the three of them are the same and yet the three of them are different that is the mystery of god that our head cannot fathom but we can just understand to the limit of our understanding and embrace it by faith. So, here, Jesus is being prophesied about and yet he's called Everlasting Father. Now, what I want to draw our attention to is that he's called Everlasting Father, which means that he has been. Everlasting means that before the beginning of time and even after time has passed away, it will always be so. God's fatherhood is independent of humanity. So, and that shows you the kind of person God is. God is self-existent. He's the only person that doesn't need anybody. So, and he's self-sufficient, all-sufficient. So, we need people. We need we need somebody to define our relationship to us. I am a child of someone. I'm the son of somebody. I am the father to somebody. He is my child. But God in himself is father. And now, why is he father in himself? Because there is a son in God. That is the question. God is a father in himself because there is a son in God. So inside God, we have father, we have son, we have spirit. So the reason why there is father in God is because there is son in God. So even though humanity didn't become, didn't make God father, God by himself is father to himself. Look at that. That is powerful. God is father to himself and son to himself excuse me so god is father to himself and son to himself and we have seen that in in let's look at hebrews hebrews chapter one so this and i want to encourage you these are doctrinal issues that you should put in mind they are not necessarily something that will make you jump and shout but they are knowledge that we ground you know sometimes i think about it that when 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 we were in school from my year one to year four i'm talking about the university now it's not everything that was taught there 
that was interesting or makes us dumb. I don't think anybody in class was saying, Oh, ah, I love this lecturer. Man, you are sharing something. But the matter is, it was that same knowledge that we carried out of the university. And that is what made us who we are today. We are working with it. Now, that knowledge, when we are listening to it, learning it, writing it out, doing the assignment, writing the test and the exam, it wasn't, it didn't look, it didn't look interesting. It didn't look that maybe it made us sharp for joy. But it is tangible enough to make us earn a living. And that is, and that is how some parts of the Bible are. They are not the part that make you scream or shout or mm-mm, no. It's just understanding and maturity that makes you come and say, okay, this part of the Bible, it doesn't necessarily make me shout or scream. But yet, it is tangible enough for me to transact in the real world. That is, this knowledge, when I go into life, affects my outlook in life. This knowledge, and that is how we are going to close tonight. We are now going to see how all this theoretical knowledge impact you as a human being that how is now god father to you what makes him father what are the attributes of a father now so we have deduced that god is father and there is his fatherhood is independent of humanity he is father to himself so we are chapter one hebrews chapter one from verse one it said for god it's a God who had sundry times, I'm reading in King James, and in diverse manners spake in time, passing to the fathers by the prophet. He had in this last day spoken unto us by his son. Now, let's keep this scripture in hand. We are going to go back to it later. He said, he spoke to us by his son. So God spoke to us through Jesus. So when you think about it, when you look at the relationship between God and Jesus, God is teaching humanity a lesson. He said, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So, God made the world through the Son. And that is what John 1 is telling us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the God, and the Word was God. Through Him, all things were made, and there was nothing made that was made without Him. So, we are seeing the mystery between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So, God made this our world through the Son, because the Son is the Word. God made the world through His Word. Now, we are going to see that in a bit. Now, the Bible is not describing Jesus. And this is settling the fact that Jesus is equal to God, not any shade lower. Because you cannot separate the Trinity. There are three of them are agreed in one. You can't separate the Father from the Son or from the Spirit. The three of them are always agreed in one. And yet they are distinct. It is a mystery. Now, verse 3 says, Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God. That is one. It says, is the express exact image of his person and is upholding all things by the word of his power and he had and he had by himself poured our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on so this place describes to us that jesus is the exact image of god so anytime you say i worship you jesus oh glory be to jesus don't bother thinking maybe god is not god is angry or god or god the son is angry no he's saying that when you say jesus you are talking to the express image of God. The express image of God. And when we say God, we are referring to how many people? Three persons in one. Look at, let's see another place. Hebrews chapter 11. We are opening a lot of scripture just to create foundation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It said, By faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
that is also showing us that Jesus is the one that framed and made the whole world. The Godhead made the world through Jesus. Jesus is the creative part of the Godhead. Now, we have answered the second question is that is God has been a father even before he had us because there is a son in God. So, his fatherhood is independent of God. That is why he's a father. He's a father because there is a son in God. He's a father because there is a son in God. Now, what are the things that make God father? Now, what are the attributes of father? Why is God a father? Why do we call him father? Two things make God father. And that is where it benefits us. First, the attribute of God as father is that he is good. And the second attribute is that he is love. Now, at the end of today's lesson, what will happen is that anytime, whatever happens, you will never feel that you are at variance with God. Nothing will ever make you scared of going into God's presence. Nothing. Because just like your earthly father, especially when you have a good rapport with your earthly father, when the earthly father is good, a child is never scared of the father. Never. Never. He knows that this man created me. This man made me. This man turned me to who I He gave me life. And this man loved me. He has, he has kept me from when I was a child till now. So, there's not, so for example now, there's nothing that can happen in the world. Every child will always feel safe in the father's house. So even if a woman or a man marries and he feels that, oh, I go to the husband or something happens, more often than not, you will see the woman will find a way. Even if the whole world rejects me, let me go and stay in my father because that place, I am never rejected. Never, 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 never. A good father will never reject the child. And that is who God is. So goodness characterizes God and love. How do we know? How do we know that these are the attributes of a father? Let's look at James chapter 1. Verse 18. God is good and incapable of evil. And this will also help you that when you see something that is not good, you will know it's not from your God. And this will give you a sense of authority to banish. Jesus said that every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. What gave him this confidence? It's because he knew what God was going to do. So he was not mistaken. So for example now, if, for example, if we have somebody has a child and the child fell sick and then he has ania and the doctor said this is incurable and now you begin to say, oh God, is this how you will take this child from me? Is this Now, in a moment of time, when you understand that God is Father and the nature of God as Father is goodness and love, you will never utter that out of your mouth. You will never say, God, you want to take... Because why? You know that this, my child cannot be suffering in pain and, and rolling on the floor and I say God is the one behind it. It's impossible. So now, and that gives you confidence to approach him and say, Father, you are a good person. This is evil. I'm rebuking this in your name. This has no permission. Every plant that my father has not planted will be uprooted. So, you see now, understanding the fatherhood of God gives you authority. And that's why at the beginning I said, light gives you authority. So when you understand the fatherhood of God, it gives you an understanding of what to permit in your life and what not to permit. 
So, for example, you sleep and you had a dream and you see somebody come and say, hey, some, hey, I will kill you or something. When you wake up, you say, no, this is not from my father. It is not good. So, I cannot allow it to stay. If my father has not permitted something, why should I permit it? But you need to understand God as father for you to stand your ground that way. Now, look at James chapter 1, verse, verse 17. He said, now, verse 16 actually. Oh, I even love it. Let, let me let us go from from verse 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 thirteen. He said, "Let no man say, when he's tempted, I am tempted of God." Now, so that word temptation there means trials, because from verse one, James chapter one, from verse three, he said, uh, "When you fall into diverse temptation, trials and trials of your faith, when things are testing your faith, lack is testing your faith, uh, 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 sickness is testing your faith." whatever pain is testing your faith so he said let no man say when he's going through difficult situations that are actually evil we're not even saying that god is making you a stronger person no we are saying sickness death poverty lack kidnapping evil he said let no man say that he's tempted i am tempted of god he said don't attribute it to god he said for god cannot be tempted with evil neither does he tempt any man so God cannot fall sick. So he won't place sickness on you. Let's, let's get that clear. God cannot be kidnapped. So he won't place kidnapping on you. God cannot be, God cannot be killed. So he won't put death on you. Now, at the back of your mind, you can begin. There are instances. Now, in those instances, you will understand this intention and you will see that it is good. But when it is coming face off, face value to you, you know that this is not God. I cannot be having a a kidney problem and think god god did not place that on me now he said let's go on he said neither tempts he any man he said for every but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own loss and entire he said then when loss has conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death verse 16 he said do not err my beloved brethren in a, in a in a contemporary language we say don't be mistaken my brethren don't get it twisted don't get it wrong he said every good gift and now it's not explaining what you should expect from god and this is the truth this will change your consciousness forever you will not think god is testing you with pain no he's not testing you with pain no he's not he's not look at it he said every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning so that is god's way you can predict it it's not that maybe God will test you with good in the morning and bring evil your way in the afternoon. No, 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 no. Now, let me explain when we when it looks like God tempts us with evil. When people say, ah, no, now God placed this sickness on him to teach him a lesson. That is not true. Check every instance where evil happens to a person without a purpose, without an end in it. It is the devil that places it on them. But one thing is this. God, because he works in everything for the good of his children, will now step into it and turn it around for good. So, for example, when, because God had knew, I'll give you a classic example through the life of Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching liberty to the captive, the enemy was angry. Satan was angry. He said, no, I have bound people down in sickness. I have made people eyes blind. I have made people's ear deaf. Now this man is walking around causing them to see. 
healing them he became angry and he went through the religious leaders because hatred is of the enemy god is love in him is no hatred at all no iota of hatred in god towards his creation if god hates anything it's a sin and sin is not the creation of god it is the handwork of the enemy so if god ever hated something it is anything the enemy ever created not what god himself created god doesn't hate human beings he doesn't hate anything that came out of himself never is love is incapable of hating anything he himself made so now so those religious leaders went on and killed jesus now when they were killing him they thought they were getting rid of him and this is a classic example of how god works but because in the foreknowledge of god god is saying i will let you die my son but at the end of this death you are going to resurrect and on the other side you are going to bring humanity to me so they thought it was evil they wanted to kill him and eradicate him but god is saying i'm going to use it and that's the story of our life so whenever it looks as if god permitted something evil to happen to you be very sure that at the end of it at the other side good is coming out even beyond yourself so the enemy is the one that brings evil always every time sickness or disease or if it ever comes on you is that that god may heal you if sickness ever rests on you it is that god can heal you now let's let's see another classic example like that so that you will get it right let's look at john chapter 9 john chapter 9 i believe john chapter 9 from verse 1 so you will see and understand before i continue so what we are establishing is that there's no evil in god god doesn't do evil to any human being god doesn't make people sick god doesn't make women lose their children god doesn't take people's children because he needs angel in heaven it is not his nature look at what jesus said here in john chapter 9 from verse 1 and jesus passed by and as jesus passed by he saw a man which was blind from birth so this is a man blind from birth he said and his disciples asked him saying master who did this who did who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind so now this is not that this guy went to war and they shot him in the eye no he was born blind he didn't do anything to deserve what has happened to him so and this is where it happened that sometimes it's not only sin that makes evil happen because the world has been corrupted the enemy has access to human life since he caused adam to fall in the garden since then he has been stealing killing and destroying just like jesus said so here a classic example and look at what jesus said he said jesus answered neither had this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of god should be made manifest in him now look at that so god was saying jesus was saying here that, no this guy was born blind but do you know why he was born blind that the works of god might be manifest in him. now what does this mean in essence jesus is saying that the enemy actually made him blind but i'm going to claim this blindness that because he's blind i'm going to show my work in him and that's what god is always doing through your life so for example the enemy comes with lack or he comes with a sickness and then you are wondering who have i seen hey what did i do did i offend god no in that moment jesus is saying the same thing to you that listen listen before you start thinking you committed a sin or is somebody doing you or somebody cursed you he say listen calm down calm down none of that is the issue because when you come to me and when you are in me i claim all your troubles as mine and i turn what the enemy meant for evil and i turn it out for good 
So you see now, so we saw through the life of Jesus, the enemy wanted to kill Jesus and get rid of him. But had they known, they would not have what crucified the Lord of glory. So the destiny of Jesus is the destiny of every child of God. That whenever anything happens to you that is evil, it is never from God, but be very certain that in all things, God is working together for your good. So this should make you understand that in the fatherhood of God is secured your goodness. When you understand that God as a father, his attributes is goodness, it changes the whole dynamics and what you expect out of life. So when you wake up in the morning and say, my father, what you're saying is that my good God, the one that goodness always comes towards me from him, I expect nothing in this life other than good. Nothing else will come to me except good. Because why? I have a father who is looking after me. So even if I, if I move out today and I begin to drive on the road and bust open and I'm reeling, listen, it will turn out for good. I will praise God for it because four weeks down the line, I'll be singing prayer and say, Oh God, you are the one that delivered me from this tire outboard. You are the one that saved me from it. And then one man will be there. He will hear my testimony and say, Is that true? God saved you from an accident? Okay, I'm going to believe. He's going to save my wife from kidnapping. If he saved you from that. So, you see that? For every kind of evil that the world or the enemy is throwing at us, God is always working in it to bring good out. And that is why? And that is because his father, good, Good. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. Let's see another attribute of God. Claiming another scripture telling us that God is good. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. Look at God being described here. Jesus was speaking. He said, if he then being evil. He's talking to human beings. He said, know how to give good gifts unto your children. So it is the attribute of a father. That so for example. A father can. For example. Look at. You see. Let's take corrupt politician for example. They damage the country. They siphon and embezzle money. They render the government's institutions and schools useless, inhabitable. They embezzle money. But yet, when he has to do with their children, they carry them, fly them abroad to a school where they will get good education. What does that tell you that? No matter how wicked a man is to every other person, more often than not, under normal circumstances, when he has to do with his child, that wickedness is never revealed. Never. Never. He will work hard, steal, kill, embezzle, do whatever. If for anything, is to shower that child with love. And that is who God is. And that is why in the old, we say God will kill the enemies of Israel. He will kill the enemies. He will, he will tell them, destroy this, destroy that person. Send ambushment. Why? God is teaching the world a lesson that anybody that subscribes to be my son, this is what I will do for you. I will go to the end of the world, shatter any form of thing to make sure that you are cared for. So now when you call God Father, you are saying that God, let a thousand be falling at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. As for me, I am your child. I will never be at a loss. And now, this, and this is one thing you need to keep in mind. Nothing can change your relationship with God as father and child. Look at the prodigal son. Even while he was feeding and wasting his money and feeding with the harlot and spending his money and eating with pigs, it didn't change. Because the moment he showed up from afar, the father ran to meet him because 
that bond can never be severed. So, whatever you might have done, whatever mistake you might have done, and even though guilt is making you think that, don't go and pray, God is angry with you right now. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The moment you show from afar, God will be on his way to meet you. As a matter of fact, if the child has not come home, the father was going to go out and go and look for him. And you will have seen that in the story, in the parable of the Lordship. The, the, the good shepherd left the 99, went out, looked through the mountains and the hills and the valleys to find one. So God is good and is loving towards you. He's always outgoing. He's always seeking. As a matter of fact, you know, somebody was discussing with me once and said they felt so guilty about what they have done. I said, listen, guilt is a good sign of the health of your spirit. You should be bothered if you don't feel guilt when you do something seriously bothered. So, for example, as, as much as hunger is painful, hunger is a sign of the fact that you are alive and you are healthy. Because one of the things that happens is that the moment you are sick, what do you lose? Appetite. Appetite. The moment, so, when, 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 when sickness attacks a body, it takes away hunger. So that you will not receive the nutrient that is going to what, help you fight the disease. So the disease is, is strategic. It wants to cripple the whole body. It goes after your hunger, takes away the appetite, makes you unable to eat. Now, as, as much as hunger causes pain, it is a good sign that you are still good, you are alive, you are in good health. So it's guilt. So the moment you are feeling guilt for something you have done, that is your heart saying, see, listen, go and feed. Go and eat. So guilt should rather make you go into God's presence and lie down there till you feed on him and that guilt leaves and your sins are washed away and your sense of righteousness comes back to life so nothing should chase you away from god's presence not even your mistakes because why god is father look at he says if you then being evil human beings know how to give good gifts unto your children he said how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that will ask him so your request before god can never be stopped why you are a child that relationship can never be it can never be changed and we are going to see the basis upon which you became the child of god so that you will your your confidence will be rooted that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of god for me which is in christ jesus how did you become the child of god so now god loves jesus that is the father loves the son and that union between the father and the son is supposed to teach humanity what we are to expect from god when we come into him in christ because even before the foundation of the world god has had us in mind let's look at john 17 23 to 24. so we are saying that god has been father and he has been loved even before he made adam john 17 John 17:23. Jesus is speaking. He says, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast what? Love me. Verse 24. He said, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where i am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou art lovest me 
before the foundation of the world. So you see there that the love, the fatherhood of God is not dependent on the creation of man. No, 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 no. God has been a father before he created us. But he, he showed that love to the son. So he now said that, let the son, my relationship with the son, be the pattern to humanity. Because I'm going to create a species and I'm going to create them in the image of the son. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. From verse 28. Or from verse 29. From verse 29. It said, For whom he did follow, foreknowledge of God. That is, in his foreknowledge. For means before knowledge. In his foreknowledge, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So even before God made us, God has known us. Before God said, let there be light in Genesis. Before God, before, you know the Bible says in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning. Before that beginning, we had existed in the mind of God. Look at how powerful that is. Because God is the only one that has no beginning or end. There was a beginning for every other thing. There was a beginning for angels. There was a beginning for Lucifer. There was a beginning for man. But for God, no beginning. And we will see that from the pages of the scripture. So, most of the things we claim about God, they are there in the Bible. And it is good that we read them so that we can know. So that we can understand our heritage as Christians. He said, for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He said, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called. So, now, so, if for us, then he later came to call us. So, through his relationship with Jesus, God had knew us. Through his relationship to Jesus, God had knew us and is teaching us that all of us might become brothers to Jesus in him. I'll give you one more scripture before we go on. Luke chapter 3, verse 38. Luke chapter 3, verse 38. It says, he's talking about the genealogy of Jesus. But it goes here, he said, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, and which was the son of God. So, in the beginning, Adam was the son of God. Then Jesus had not been revealed. So God is saying, now that I'm creating humanity, I'm going to call them my son. Now, going forward to wrap up tonight, how did we now become the sons of God that we might call him father? So even though God has been father and he's good, because everything he does is good from Genesis chapter 1. When you read Genesis chapter 1, you will see, and God made the plant and the evening and the morning was the first day and God saw that it was good. He made the cattle and God saw that it was good. He made the shrubs and God saw that it was good. He made the trees. He made the fishes of the sea and God saw that it was good. So everything he did was good. In Psalm 136, it tells us that for he is good and his mercy endures forever. And then his love. So love is the action of God to bestow his goodness on people. So when he say, for God so loved the world, God is saying, I want to bring all my goodness and bestow it on you. And that is who you are. Because by nature, God is good. 
And goodness must reveal itself in love. And also, love reveals itself in goodness. Both of them as, a, as an endless circle. Both love and goodness intertwining into one. So, God reveals his goodness by loving and then he shows his love to us through bestowing his goodness upon us. So, as you are, you are both good and love. God bestows his goodness upon you because he loves you. God loves you and therefore he bestows his goodness upon you. God is good and therefore he loves you. He's incapable of evil. So, how does this benefit you as a person? What does this do to you? And you want to cement your understanding of God's love for you in understanding your father. God is our father by three ways. Three different distinct ways and three of them are sufficient to convince you to know that on this earth, you are never without a good and loving father. And you can always go into his presence and claim his goodness when you understand the basis of your relationship. Let's look at the first one. God became our father by reason of creation. And that's what we just read about Adam. When the Bible says in Luke chapter 3 verse 38 that Adam is the son of God. Adam became the son of God because God created Adam. So by reason of creation, humanity is the son of God. We are his offspring by reason of creation. So God is your father because he created you in his own image and in his own likeness. That's one. So you can claim him as father. But all of creation can do that. That is all of humanity because of creation. Then let's look at Malachi chapter 2 verse 10 and then Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1. Malachi chapter 2 verse 10. Why God is our father by reason of creation. All of humanity shares this together in common. Look at that. He said, have we not all one father? Talking about creation. This is not in Christ. Had we not one God, had not one God what? Created us. The reason we have, we all have one father is because we are all created by one God. So you will see sometimes, some idol worshipping religion will say, yes, God is my father, so he's not only your father. They are not wrong. Because by reason of creation, God is father to all things. That word father actually in the Hebrew means origin. It means source. So when you say father, it means origin. It means source. It means sustainer. So creation, God is the father of creation because he created every living thing. He's the source of all things and he's also the sustainer of all things. So that's the first reason. So because you are created by God, you can claim his fatherhood. And therefore, all even unbelievers can do that. But we are going to a place where not everybody can enter. Number two, Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1. Zechariah is just before Malachi. Just one book before Malachi. Zechariah chapter 1. It says, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, said the Lord, which stretched for the heavens, and laid the foundation of the earth, and formed the spirit of man within him. Now, this is how God became our father. You see now, it lists creation. He said what? He stretches forth the heavens, and laid the foundation of the earth, and then the third thing, formed the spirit of man. This is how God became the father of creation. 
because he formed us he made us so you can claim fatherhood that way now the second reason how god became our father is by redemption deuteronomy 32 verse 6 and here we are still going to see it in a broader perspective how god became our father it's also going to echo the first reason deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 6 reasons why god is our father he said do ye thus require the lord oh foolish people and unwise is not thee is not he thy father and why is the reason that had bought us that is who was is not he that made us by creation and established us so two things now god became our father one by redeeming us which is the second reason we have seen the first reason by reason of creation then the second reason is by reason of redemption so in christ god redeemed us to himself and that is also by adoption now what does it mean that we are adopted children of god what does it mean to be adopted children of god now you know we are the sons of abraham and then we are the sons of adam because after adam fell in the garden he lost a a critical portion of his right to call god as father and that's why when jesus came he said you are your father the devil why not because the devil gave birth to them no but because adam in disobeying god has lost the nature of god he could not stay in the presence of god anymore it's only something that is in the nature of god that can see god and experience his presence so adam lost that and became the son of the devil not because it was made by the devil but because it took on the nature of the devil which is the nature of sin now when god came in christ jesus he adopted us because certainly you remember we all remember that adam is our father adam we were all born of adam but then in christ jesus the last adam we became the sons of god so god took us from our old father and brought us and said come and become my child by reason of adoption and adoption is a very mysterious thing because it shows love in his death that is you are actually choosing to love something as your own which wasn't yours so look at that the sons of adam assigned to the faith of adam the bible says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god how did all sin all sinned in adam when adam fell all his seeds everybody that was going to 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 bring forth into the earth entered into the lineage of sin so we were all the children of adam not the children of god anymore adam was the son of god before he fell after he fell he became the son of the devil so we were all the sons of the devil look at let's look at that look at look at ephesians chapter 2. ephesians chapter 2. ephesians chapter 2. Okay, it says from verse 2, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1 rather, it says, And you are too quicken who are dead in trespasses and sins. So, we were dead in Adam, even though we were alive, we were dead because we were disconnected from God. It said, because God is the source of life, anything not in God is dead. And that goes on, it says, Wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air that's the enemy the devil the spirit that now walketh in the children of what disobedience so by reason of adam's disobedience he became the child of disobedience which is the child of the prince of the power of the air, satan so then in christ god sent his son to die and then now say anybody that accepts jesus i'm going to adopt you as my son even though before you are the son of adam and the son of the enemy the son of satan i'll call you my own i'm choosing you to be mine so the second reason why you are the child of god is for you he adopted you as his own the first reason is that he created you the second reason is that he adopted you as his own and then the last reason so god adopted you as his own then the third reason why god is your father is that he gave birth to you god gave birth to you now this one nobody can share it unless they've been born again in christ jesus let's look at james chapter 1 verse 18 james chapter 1 verse 18 james chapter 1 verse 18 look at it says Let's read from verse 17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Verse 18, he said, Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creation. So God is your father by reason of the fact that you are born of him. So in Christ, when you came into Christ, God gave back to you anew. He gave back to you afresh. You were in the son of Adam again. He formed a new spirit within you and made you his son. Glory to God. He made you his son. He brought you to himself and put a new spirit inside. He removed the old spirit and put a new spirit inside you. And this way, you became the child of God. Just begin to thank God tonight. From first John chapter first John chapter 3. You thank God with this. First John chapter 3. It says, verse 1. It said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So thank him for that. And say, Father, thank you. Thank you because I am your son. You bestow your love upon me. That is the attribute of fatherhood. You love me without condition. You love me without condition. I am your son by reason of creation. I am your son by reason of adoption. I am your son by reason of being born by you. Thank you for being my father. Oh, I can always come into your presence and know that I am never rejected. And know that I am never forsaken. And know that I am always accepted. You are my father. You gave birth to me. You adopted me. You created me. All these three reasons cannot be undone. 
This is why you are my father. You are good to me. And you are love. Because you are my father, I expect nothing else but good upon the surface of the earth. Whenever I see evil, I know it is not from you. Because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you. And I know because you are my father and you do good to me, there is nothing evil that will befall me. You you turn every evil to good for me. So just thank him. Thank him because he is your father. Thank him because because of this knowledge you can always expect good on the surface of the earth. Thank you of this knowledge you will never accept anything lesser than what as what your father has given you. When you see any evil thing in your life, you have every right to resist it or receive it and let the father turn it out for good. So from this day forward you understand that goodness and mercy is what follows you all the days of your life. Why? Because God is your father. He is good towards you and his law. And that relationship can never change. There is nothing you can do that can change that relationship. Just thank him for that. Thank him for this. Give him praise for it. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' precious name we are praying. Amen and amen. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining in and inviting somebody. We continue next week on Sunday. And then during the week, there's prayer on Thursday and Friday. You can join in the prayer from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Thank you all and God bless you. Have a wonderful night.